Hello everyone, we're back with another episode of the Young Flush Podcast. Lorenzo and I actually got our topic this week from using AI. Yes, sir. So Lorenzo, what exactly did you search up? Just uh, the classic chat GPT. Let me pull up the exact prompt I gave it. So I just on chat mm. GPT. Uh, oh my gosh, why would I do that? Why would I do that? I finally cleared it. I, yeah, because it saves your conversations. I don't know why I cleared it. Let me just clear oh, all my other conversations first. There we go. This what guy be doing is that too used to clearing yeah. his uh, I know, man. You know, we got to clean up your tracks, man. No trace left behind. Um, no, but um, I just kind of gave it like a general description of the kind of stuff topics we talk about. Like, oh, generally introspective or like about, you know, social dynamics and like culture and whatnot. And I said... You know, it's just the podcasters giving their opinion because that's kind of basically what it is. We're not like experts in any of these fields that we talk about for the most part. Mm -hmm. um, we're just sharing our experiences. So I gave it that piece of information. And then uh, from there, it gave me some really good prompts. Uh, but they were just a little bit too too cerebral to be talking about at 2.14 in the morning. So I then asked it to simplify them and give me more casual ones. Also, just to make them a bit more directed. And uh, it gave me some very interesting ones. It gave me some very um, good, but not very original ones. Things that we've already talked about, things that we've already covered, or um, just things that are commonly talked about, I feel, in one way, shape, or another. Right. Um, but in the end, there was one that I really liked, and that was um, talking about minimalism. Now, I haven't really implemented anything that I could consider minimalism into my life. I've considered it. I think someday I might consider trying it and like, Going full, like, you know, barely just like just a mattress on the floor. And that's it. Okay. Um, okay. But maybe a little bit more sophisticated than just a mattress, you know, make it look nice at least. Right. But um, instead of doing that, we're going to talk about simplicity, which I feel is quite related and definitely a bit more generalized. Yeah. Definitely. So, yeah. It's uh, very much in line with the last few episodes we did. I, we did one. I did one with Raymond on slow living. And then mm -hmm. we obviously did the one on, uh, you know, quote unquote being bored and just being yeah. unstimulated, right? And not letting all these things influence you and really just be by yourself with your thoughts yeah. and let you your mind you? wander, right? This so is simplicity. Of. Real what? quick, because that, just okay. talking about that real quick, that reminds me, have you heard about the Aaron Rodgers thing? what he's uh he's gonna do like a retreat i forget how long it is i think it's like a four-day thing huh. but it's like a darkness retreat so he literally is locking himself in a room no electronics no nothing for four days straight no lights just pitch black nothing else that's it Bruh. he has a little slot for some food um and he has access to like a washroom obviously but it's just yeah. no light no stimulation no nothing just him and his thoughts four days straight what do you think of that that's interesting so and 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 the reason I why he's doing it is yeah and he says that after he it's actually really interesting i think the word is at least if the talk show host isn't just talking out of his ass i was listening to a radio show in the morning mm -hmm. and he mentioned um that he was going to make a decision on whether or not he's going to play football next year based off of how the retreat goes so seems like uh, i don't know seems pretty interesting what do you think of that I quite like it. I think in a position like that, especially where you have so many people around you with all these opinions, you have all of these narratives from the media mm -hmm. and just being a cultural figure, I think you really need to step away from all of that as much mm -hmm. as you can and yeah. not let that influence your decision, you know, as much as you can, right? So yeah. that kind of makes sense to me. I think that type of extreme approach when you're in a more extreme situation is kind of why it takes to balance it out almost. And that mm -hmm. could be beneficial. Kind of. Like I was that. just thinking the same thing, mm -hmm. yeah, because it, it to somebody who's kind of like more standard, more average, I guess, that does mm -hmm. strike people as a little weird. Like, oh, that's, that's kind of kooky. But they... It must be weird being like a, such a big sports celebrity to the point where it, it, just that experience of having people constantly talking about you, talking about your 
you know, your personal life and like your professional life, like the whole time that must, that must get to you after a while. So yeah. Yeah. That increased Even pressure. Even just in subtle, unconscious ways, it could, it could really mm-hmm. get to you. Yeah. Anyway, simplicity. Yeah, simplicity. Yeah. So it's interesting, first of all, that we're doing a topic you described as less cerebral, as this is late night to you. Yeah. Or as at the same time, this is early morning for me. This is true. <laughs> I love, I also love the color contrast right now on Riverside yeah. FM. This is great. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I like to have some light in, especially in the morning. So yeah. even it's though good. it's dark out. It's really out, good to get light in the morning. Yeah. It's still dark yeah. out, obviously, since it's not like summer. Even in the summer, it might not be. In Vancouver, during a period of time, around like now, like what, 520 it is now for me. Like, Yeah. You do get some actual sunlight already. It's getting to um, the sun is rising pretty much. But over here, even in the summer, I don't know if it's this early. I feel like it's more like 6 a.m. that that sunrise happened. Like now, it's more like 7.30. Before, when it was like almost 8, right? But uh, it's starting to uh, slowly get a little bit earlier. Well, what's the, Anyways, what's the latitude difference between... Here in- I think here is more south, actually. Really? But is it significantly yeah. further south? No. Does it? Well, what is? What is the sunrise at a different time? Like, what do you mean? In Vancouver, wait, wait. I bet right now during this season in Vancouver, it's somewhat similar too. A five twenty, maybe twenty minutes earlier. Like five twenty. What? I'm I'm telling you that. Sunrise here is about like seven thirty to eight, whereas yeah. like you know maybe a month or two ago it's more like eight a.m. Right, but during the summer yeah. I feel like it's gonna be oh. it's generally more like six a.m. Whereas in Vancouver during certain periods in the summer it gets as early as like five thirty, where like even now like five twenty, where it's the sun starts to rise. Like oh no, when you I wake think, up. Yeah. Yeah, mm. it's not rising at 5:20, by the way. Let's make that clear. Not yeah, right yeah. now. Yeah, no, but, no, no, but during not. certain periods of summer in Vancouver, but that does happen. Is the latitude difference that great to, for there to be like a such a sizable difference? Sizable difference of 30 minutes. Yeah, I feel like that's. I feel like 30 minutes, considering how small of a shift it is latitude-wise. I feel like that's pretty significant because. How many, how many, uh, what are those things called? Parallels. How many parallels lower is it? it, it it's like, it's still probably like 48 know. something. I don't know. We're here on the, because f- you're below the 49th parallel, right? Yeah. Um, it's more south than, than quite a few, uh, of the cities in the States. Well, how close are you to the 48th parallel? I don't know. I'm not sure. Mm. Well, I don't know. I guess we're going to have to figure out someday. Maybe a good podcast episode for another day. Latitude. How latitude impacts lives, bro. That's crazy. If you think about it with like the differences in like, like getting up and stuff, like that makes a big difference for people. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, this topic, I think it could, you know, be potentially cerebral, as you put it. Yeah. Because simplicity is an interesting idea, right? I have a metal poster back at home of a mm-hmm. quote from Bruce Lee that I assume he actually said. I can't be for sure. But it says, simplicity is the key to brilliance. And I really mm-hmm. like that because I, I value simplicity a lot. And I think simplicity is very much in my life in various ways so i in the in the episode where we talked about fashion and style personal style stuff like that i definitely brought up simplicity and you know a love for plain colors Mm -hmm. i would say 
especially neutral colors. Big fan of that, but just plain color stuff as opposed to really weird patterns and a lot of colors and stuff like that. A、mm. lot of different material mixed together. Like for me, I like to be a pretty kind of singular thing going on for each piece of clothing. Yeah. So、uh, obviously with. The slow living stuff. A lot of that is based on simplicity. I would describe a lot of my life as slow, simple, and serene, right? Because I think all those things are very much related. And then, really, something I want to get into on this episode is simplicity, just in terms of a foundation to build upon. Right, because、mm. right, right, we could start here, then we could go somewhere else. But while I was thinking about simplicity, when you brought up the topic, one thing that came to my mind is how everything is very much built on these fundamentals, right?、Mm-hmm. And all these fundamentals really are quite simple. Yeah. So. I think a lot of people think of things as very complex, and to an extent they are, but they don't necessarily have to be, or at least you don't have to think of them as that. You don't have to. It's like a perspective thing, honestly. I, I don't know. It's yeah,、weird. yeah.、Mm-hmm. I, I've I one hundred percent agree. I'll just cut in here because I feel like this is a good time to hop in. But I feel like what you just said there is so perver. What's the word?、Um, Permeates everything, man. It just permeates everything. Because,、um, for example, even in like gymnastics or when you're learning those basic skills, you see kids trying it and they don't know the first thing. But it's so simple. You just have to make sure you're jumping straight up before you do a front flip.、Um, you see it in like video games, right? Like、um, I'm really into Apex, and they got some crazy movement on there. It's very mechanical. A lot of inputs.、Um, a lot of the right inputs at the right time. That's the key, right?、Um, and There's some people who really master it, and when you really master it, and you watch their gameplay, it it almost looks like a different game sometimes because they're just moving so fast and so fluidly. Their their opponents can't keep up. They have no idea where they are.、Um, sometimes they get lucky, and you can see the enemy perspective. And it was so interesting seeing how, with their movement, they、um, they literally were never on the enemy's screen because they couldn't see them. They couldn't <laughs> look fast enough at them. They'd be gone by the time they looked over. Um, but when I started really comparing like his their gameplay compared to my gameplay, and I'm saying like, okay, like what am I missing? I know how to do all the individual techniques. You know, I know how to bounce off the walls like they do. I know how to run and slide and jump like I do because it gives you a little speed boost or whatever.、Mm-hmm. So it wasn't the techniques that I was missing, and a lot of people grind those techniques over and over again. But it was literally just the smallest things. Like they wouldn't walk into the room as far, so they wouldn't have to turn around. To get out of the room as fast, so they can go in and out really fast, or just super. It was just the simplest stuff. It was literally just their use of the basics that、mm-hmm. gives them the upper hand and all advantages. Like the flashy stuff that they do that makes them look super cool, I found was the least important part of the equation. Right. Um. In calisthenics, like the best way to get better at calisthenics is just do calisthenics. A lot of the, like with movement, it's literally just do more of it. Um, right. A couple、uh, with a good coach and some experience and knowledge, you can direct your efforts to specific areas where you're lacking. But at the end of the day, you just have to do what it is that you want to get better at until you get better at it, and that's just as simple as it gets. Yeah.、Um, so yeah, I mean, you, you can just go on and on. Like everything is so simple. Right.、The、basics. I I know for one of the suggestions that the ad came up was diet, right? And we don't really have anything new to add since we already did an actual full episode on that. Nothing. Well, there are、yeah. changes, but nothing too drastic that will be interesting enough to make a whole episode on. But、mm-hmm. when it comes to simplicity, it's it applies to that as well, right? I know for me, a, a big aspect of diet is whole foods, right?、Mm-hmm. So, really. The simple fundamental concept behind that is just minimize the amount of processed food you eat. Right? It doesn't. That, that's that's it. 
Right. Other thing I quite. (laughs) And the other thing about uh, diet that I really like is more of a intuitive eating. I think mm. if you don't know anything about diet, that might be a dangerous game to play. But I think if you've tried different diets and if you looked into different aspects of nutrition and you just have a good grasp on that, I think at some point you're really applying mm. the idea of simplicity and just kind of trusting your body and trusting how you feel, right? So intuitive eating in that sense to me directly relates to this. So it's so many aspects of already what I like and how I live. Yeah. It just goes back to that simplicity. It, it just always does. How, mm-hmm. how much simpler can you get than eating uh, oh, what you feel like? <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Um, I 100% agree. I was thinking about bringing this up actually, but I thought that um, my version of it was a little bit too loose. It was maybe more on the side of laziness instead of simplicity. Well, not laziness, mm. but um, maybe I take it too Lucy far with the intuitive. It's mostly, it's mostly the with table. the timings of it because the there's no schedule for my eating at all, bro. There's no schedule. It's like, ah, maybe I'll get a snack before I go to work. Maybe I won't. And that'll be like my first meal of the day. So then sometimes I'll just go the whole day until I get home and then have dinner. So it'll be like, mm-hmm. you know, sleep, work, come back and then break the fast afterwards. Um, so that's probably not good. But with yeah, the rest of it, was like, but with the rest of it, in the sense, well, I make up for it. Well, I don't make up for it, but I adapt to it by kind of doing, just going off a of feel. Like if I feel really hungry, I'll go eat. I just don't feel hungry, so I just don't eat. Right. Um, it's that simple. And then, like, I don't force myself to go eat three meals a day. Like, why do I need to go three three meals a day if I don't feel hungry for one of the one of the times, you know? And if I, if I find that if I'm exercising and doing a lot of stuff, then I do get hungrier. Like it's, it's very mm-hmm. noticeable. Uh, it takes a lot out of your system. So, um, yeah, also gives you a good excuse to eat Snickers bars, by the way, because you want something with a good high glycemic, in, high glycemic index after you work out. Right. So, um, See, so yeah, that's, that's a very interesting idea because the way for me that works the best is also just super simple, but it's very different, right? Yeah. So for me, it's more like I, if I just have these meals at these times, the, the whole setup and schedule of my life and how I mm. feel just works, right? So the simplicity comes with just have these meals at these times. As opposed to for you, it's different, right? Yeah. It's like the, 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 both really simple as opposed to someone who's really keeping track of all these calories and get really complicated where someone believes that you really got to be eating uh, these specific foods or have like a whole lot of meals every day, yeah. right? There are people who, oh, you got to eat every three hours like, or, <laughs> or whatever. Nope. But there are all these like these very complex and complicated things that people do when it comes to diet, how they eat. And some of them might work for them and that's good, but I just don't think it needs to be that complex. I think the big thing is also a lot of times when people go on diets and this is something that I don't think we've considered yet is that when people go on diets, obviously they have like a very directed goal. And depending on how far they are from that goal and how disciplined they are and how much experience they have, like we talked about earlier, like you, you brought it up a little bit. It might not be the greatest for everybody. Um, mm-hmm. But I feel like when you have those specific goals in mind, especially if they're rather drastic, um, then I think it's much harder to do it effectively, intuitively, because your intuition isn't going to be – you're not going to be – just, I just don't feel like it will be as effective as like – let's say I wanted to gain like 20 pounds – as fast as possible or whatever, right? Then it would be worth my time to schedule all my meals, count the calories a little bit. Um, maybe not super meticulously. Maybe you still take like a very simple approach or you're just like, okay, I'll make sure I eat these really high calorie meals at least. And then I'll eat snacks around it. Um, to hopefully push you over. So there's still ways to do it simply, I guess. But um I think our approach, the intuitive eating is really good for like maintenance or right. for like gradual, very long-term stuff, right? Um, like if you make like a conscious decision, like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to cut back on like the, on like the Snickers or I'm going to cut out like 
soda and stuff like that's already a big change you're gonna see changes of like of over time like if you're drinking pop every day and it's a drink and you don't change anything else about your diet and you stop drinking the pop over enough period of time that'll have a positive impact on your health right yeah um to what extent who knows but you could extend that idea further so um yeah i forgot where i was going with that one but yeah what do you think you're just mainly talking about how with more drastic goals war with less experience intuitive eating might not work but the simplicity aspect that still exists mm-hmm. you still don't necessarily have to go with all the really complex ones in fact yeah. generally speaking people tend to see really good results when they try more simple approaches so not necessarily intuitive eating in that sense but yeah. following something like a intermittent fasting concept, right? Mm-hmm. Or following a whole foods diet when you just straight up cut out all the processed food and you just eat. That in itself is going to be healthier. The amount of calorie you're going to get is probably going to be lower. And in general, you're going to see pretty positive effects pretty quickly so there are ideas and approaches that work along with the simplicity right and they're not necessarily the intuitive eating that we're talking about mm-hmm. but okay. even That's for those drastic things and less experienced people they could take some of these more simple approaches as opposed to the complex ones that exist and uh the ones that take the steps where you are counting all those calories, where you're eating all these specific foods, where you're cutting out all these specific foods. It could be just a simple category that you're doing, right? Cutting mm-hmm. out cutting out uh, sugars by a lot, right? Keeping yeah. it to just one whatever per whatever time period is a very simple approach to do that. Cutting out sodas, like you're saying, uh, they're one. So there are a lot of these simple ideas that if you just stick to that, it's easier to actually uh, follow through as well. I think the craziest one that I just mm-hmm. that you just reminded me of is that carnivore diet. Because you know, are you familiar with how Jordan Peterson is following that? How? It's just like, oh my god, bro! Like it's like it's literally just meat. Or something. I forget. He. I forget how he describes it. I, he's talked about his diet before, and it mm. sounds terrible. Not even ketchup. Not even ketchup. Ketchup um, isn't very good, though. So. But no, no, it's not very good. But like, it's just it's just beef. It's just beef, salt, and that, that that's it. I don't even know if he cooks it in oil. I don't even think he cooks his meat with oil. Why do you cook it? And then just it's natural think, fat. Well, yeah, I think he just renders the fat, yeah, which is perfectly okay. fine, I guess. It's not, yeah. it's not bad. Yeah. Um, it's not going to taste nearly as good as if you're using oils and butters. and Yeah. But, you know, okay. But, um, yeah, maybe, I don't know. Does he do butters? I don't, I don't know. Um, but, yeah, crazy. But he's had good <laughs> results on it, I guess. I mean, I don't know. He claims to quite like it in the sense that he enjoys the benefits Mm. Uh, it doesn't sound too enthused about the actual eating of it though <laughs> yeah it's interesting um, so anyway I don't really I didn't really want to get into that this much but it just kind of came up as we're oh, discussing yeah. simplicity the The main aspect we're on is talking about simplicity as being focusing on the simple fundamentals of a lot of things, right? Mm-hmm. That's the thing that really stands yeah. out to me when I think about simplicity. And you already brought up some examples, so so have I. One thing that I really want to bring up as well is when it comes to sports. I might have said this before, but in like other episodes, but really when I'm looking at the highest level of all these sports, what I'm seeing is Simple fundamentals, the basics coming into play, but in a very creative and natural way. So it's like master the fundamentals, 
Mm. And then quote unquote like forget nature. about the fundamentals. Mm. You don't want to. It, it is second nature. You don't want to think about it at all. It needs to just come natural to you like that for sure. But at the same time, when you're a master of all these fundamentals, you're able to react and adapt and manipulate people into be giving you the advantage in every situation. Yeah. So maybe it's allowing you to get to where you want to be. Or maybe it's setting them up so spatially they just have like a step disadvantage. They're just we're gonna be one step slower because the way you you manipulated their positioning, mm-hmm. or any of those tiny little things like that. That's gonna add up and allow you to have advantage in every situation throughout the game, and that obviously is gonna add up. So. When you look at it, oh, you're seeing that's using the fundamentals like that, but it's not really the fundamentals. When you're working on the fundamentals, like in drills or in practice or anything like that, it's like what you're saying about apex, individual movements like that, right? You're able to do them, but can you, how well can you do them? Have you mastered them? Mm -hmm. And then how are you applying them? Are they, yeah, Are you how able are you to, them is the, yeah, exactly. Right. So mm-hmm. for at the top level, they're applying these in very creative ways that happen on the fly, super quick reactions, minor details. Like they're not actually thinking about it. Right. It's what we talked about yeah. in a different episode when we're talking about like the chess. People don't remember. They don't. They're when they look at the board. Like they don't remember specifically where each piece is go. They remember it as a whole picture. So in each of these situations, they know, oh, my teammates are in these areas. The defenders are in these areas, these positions. I am over here. They see how the play is going to play out in the head before. And they know what to do in that situation. They react just like that. It's not actively thinking about it, but they just yeah. gone through those situations so many times and they're master the fundamentals so well that they're able to just react and adapt and be creative on the fly mm-hmm. and pull off ridiculous things that contributes to winning, right? All of those goes down, goes back to the simple basics the fundamentals that kids starting out playing those sports are doing. Mm -hmm. So it's like, oh, how do I do that? Well, you don't just learn to do that. You master the fundamentals. like, And then you just, like you're saying with um, calisthenics and movements, you just do a lot. Like you just keep doing them. Mm-hmm. Like the simplicity is one, work on the most simple and basic skills. And two, keep just playing the game. Keep watching the game. So all those situations are just in your head. You recognize them subconsciously and you're able to just react and see how, how it was turning out from that experience mm-hmm. of watching and playing and then having the fundamentals masters, the simple basics masters that you're able to react and adapt on the fly and actually execute the play the way that you saw it in advance in your head. So two very simple things. That's all it takes. It's going to take a lot of time and effort, but in terms of complexity, it's not that complex. And that reminds me, like, if you think about it, um, there was big news many years ago when Google finally came up. Well, I can't remember if it was Google. Somebody, I think it was probably Google. But they made um, a bot, uh, sorry, an AI. They taught it how to play Dota, which is like a, like a League of right. Legends type game. Yeah. And they had like a, some, restricti- some restricted rule set. But uh, it just demolished the professionals. It's just playing like a god. And it wasn't even close. Like, no, it got no. to a point where <laughs> yeah. it wasn't even close. Like. <laughs> and, these, and these people who play Dota at that level are superhuman, bro. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. those guys are no joke. Um, those guys are, like, you need elite reactions for those types of games. Like, oh, that reminds me of the StarCraft uh, actions per minute, guys. Those are wild. How do they think that fast? But um, with the Dota one, if, what they did for the AI was so simple. 
they bas- the AI basically played millions of Dota games because you can run the game faster on a computer than a human can play it. Yeah. So if you have bots playing it, you just run it millions of times. You get more experience and perfect memory, obviously. Well, they don't really memory or think back to the games. but yeah. The pattern recognition, right? Exactly, pattern yeah. recognition, it just, hey, in this specific situation, based out of like, a ridiculous amount of time that this has happened before. They just they just know like algorithmically the best statistic option of yeah. like the, what to do in that situation, and the reaction obviously is is gonna be what do you call that superhuman, right? It's, yeah, it's, I think uh, I mean, it's, I, mean uh, I even think yeah. I think when they did that. I think they even nerfed it a little bit because obviously <laughs> the computer would have like instantaneous reaction times. Yeah, exactly. So I, think I think they hard coded like a 250 okay. Okay. like a 200. Yeah. Like, because otherwise like we already knew they could do that. <laughs> yeah. um, but, but even but yeah. with that, right. Just because they know yeah. exactly what to do right away mm-hmm. at the speed that they were allowed to react they just knew right away what to do. And it's like always making the quote-unquote right choice, right? Yeah. Even when That's it doesn't what they have a right doing. choice, oftentimes, not even in just this one specific case with the Dota game, mm-hmm. but a lot of times it's really interesting when you get AIs playing games like this, they come up with the most novel strategies sometimes. And people huh. will be like, what the fuck are they doing? Until eventually we figure out and they're like, yo, that's genius. Um, I can't think of a specific example, but I know that that's happened multiple times. It's like, what is the AI doing? And it's like, oh, shit, I found out a new and better way to do this or something along those lines. But when you play the game that many times and you're set up to just try mm-hmm. all of these possibilities, it is that's that's uh, that's and something also, that's going to happen. That's true. Right? But it's also it's also interesting because there's probably something else to be said that um I don't know how they trained it. Obviously, if, uh, no, what am I saying? Of course, I know how they trained it. They, they had the bot playing against itself. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of, that's almost like a closed system. The, the bot started off not knowing anything at all. So it yeah. didn't have that base foundation of like, it, it didn't it didn't come in with the knowledge of what the meta was, right? In the game. So that's in, how in they come other up words, some... there's no bias. Yeah, exactly. Right? Because like one of the things that I did this, I just wrote this profile on one of the researchers, PhD candidate in my faculty. And what they're researching is algorithmic fairness and data mm-hmm. ethics. Okay. So Ooh, that's interesting. Well, it's super interesting because the whole idea is in, in the simple, in the most simple way to talk about it is when you're talking about machine learning, what you're doing is you're feeding this machine information. That, that's how, that's how it needs to work. So if you want to get a machine to recognize a cat, you got to feed it pictures of cats and pictures in general and tell it this is a cat. That's not a cat. Right. Mm-hmm. There needs to be things that distinguish yes or no. If that's like, obviously with uh, Dota, it's a much more complex because there's a lot more variables involved, a lot more si- different situations. Mm-hmm. Right. But in, in the cast scenario, is a tiger a cat? Is a toy cat a cat? Mm. Someone needs to be making those decisions. That's. And, and the end output, the, the, the results of those decisions, depending on the context, the actual machine, the AI is going to be used in could have drastic effects. If it just images online and you say this is a cow, we're not a cow. Uh, when it comes to like a tiger, it's not necessarily going to be a big deal, but if we're talking about some, using something like that in real life and recognizing the dangers, uh, spotting like creatures yeah, that's coming to like a neighborhood, for example, if it thinks a tiger is just, just a cat 
to some some poor family <laughs> might you know like if you're not without detection like that it, it's it will make a huge difference and then if you're talking about stuff like that when it comes to human attributes and traits who is going to be recognized as a man or a woman mm. what how would a machine determine the race or ethnicity of someone? Okay. Right? Yeah. So th- there are all of these like little things where you have to look at, at the base, who is making that decision? How is that decision being made? And what are the greater effects of these decisions? Yeah. I-, I bring this up because in the Dota example, it's super interesting. They, they didn't tell them what is a good play what is a bad play they didn't tell them what the meta is they don't tell them the quote-unquote best practices at the top level uh, in in various situations in various roles it just kind of put them in a situation they have to figure out that themselves and kind of determine so it gave all these novel things whereas in some other situations i guess you can't really just do that yeah it works for some kind of ai um yeah other gpt stuff kind of works like that. I forget what it's called, but I, that's kind of like generally, those are two big ways of training AI is you give it training data and you try mm-hmm. to get it to replicate the training data. But um, you tweak with it because depending on how you set it up, it'll either be too much like the training data and it'll just give you back the training data or it'll be nonsense. So nothing like the training data. So some approaches have to worry about like fine tuning that. But then other times it's more so, okay, I have a program. Here's some inputs that I'm going to give you. Here's some outputs that I'm going to give you that you can give back to me. So it's like just parameters. And then based off of how you're doing, you're going to get feedback like, oh, you did good. Or like, oh, Mario died or whatever, like Mm -hmm. shit. And then you run it back however many times it makes adjustments to its, you know, neural network or whatever. And then it's like, okay, Mario died a little bit later that time. And that's actually, that's the method that like the Dota thing uses, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the Mario one, that one, oh man, there's a good video on YouTube. I think that's where one of these examples came from in my head. I think so. Seth Bling, I don't know if you ever, you know, Seth Bling at all. He used to be a Minecraft Redstone guy way back in the day. I don't know. No, Maybe. but he, he, he made an AI that... um played the Mario Bros game or whatever and that was a good watch so you, I think you might enjoy watching that good video but um yeah the the thing with the biases and labeling data especially that's uh right. very interesting and I was just watching something earlier today chat GPT one of the reasons why it is so powerful is because they have or at least my understanding of it is that the actual model itself, the language model, besides just being bigger and better than before, which is actually rather significant. I don't want to underplay that. Uh, But I think the most significant difference between this uh, chat model and then other previous language models is that they went ham with the labeling, bro. They had like a full team of just human people just labeling a whole bunch of stuff. And you have a full team of people just labeling training data all day, 24-7. And these guys are like data scientists who know how the program work and know the insides out. It gives you like high quality training data. You're going to get amazing results. And then you're going to see in the future, you're going to have these data analysts or whatever, who are then going to focus on training bots that are specific to like a certain field. Although it's actually pretty strong already. So I don't know if you'd really need to do that later on. But that could definitely also happen like labeling legal, I don't know, documents or something. So you can make like a mm-hmm. lawyer AI or something. Who knows? Um, but yeah. Um, but then one other thing I wanted to ask you about that with relations to the biases in AI and stuff. Like you, you right. keep asking like, oh, who makes that call? So how do we make that call, George? In our heads. It's like, because it's basically almost the same thing. If you think about it, because with the cat thing, that's literally like what you learn about in psychology when you learn about children uh children's development that's right. the idea of like schemas to me that's like perfectly analogous almost in a sense you feed it training data with the labels same thing you you know uh to a kid 
they, they get confused sometimes when they're doing that stuff. Uh, I forget what it's called. It's, um, there's a word for it, but when they're first learning schemas, there's a okay. specific issue that they have that parents correct just naturally. Cause obviously you would correct it when they overgeneralize or they over apply a certain schema. So that's mm-hmm. the example of like, they see, they learn cat, they see tiger or the, sorry, no, they learn cow. You mm-hmm. show them a picture of a cow. They're very young. They've never seen a cow before. You tell them this is a cow. You show them a picture of a dog. They've never seen a dog before. Never seen a cow before. They've seen a cow before just now. So to them, they see a four-legged by you know animal. They could very reasonable. Oh, cow! And kids do it all the time. They mislabel stuff like that all the time. Parent corrects them. It's like no, that's not a cow. This is a dog. And then right. it it's almost just like it's literally like it's just intelligence. It's weird. It's like. Can you even really call artificial intelligence artificial in a way? It's like, to me, it almost seems like it's just like a natural process. It's like if you have a certain system set up that takes inputs like that and adjusts itself to a specific output, right? Like that almost like inherently is going to just, I don't know, it's going to create some sort of intelligence in a sense. Right. Especially at scale. The the thing about that is... If what you want is for it to give you the category like that, whereas when when in, in real life, generally people will go in more detail or find a more nuanced way. Mm. If if you're setting the thing to just giving you the, a, that level of category as opposed to something more specific, you have to yeah you have to draw the line somewhere. Right. So I could, I, in real life, we don't really need to always say if that's a cat or if that's yeah. a cow, we could be more specific. We don't have to stop at that level. Right. But if you yeah. want a, a algorithm or something that just figure out a category, it, it's so either you have a stop there where you go and be more specific and then that's going to be much difficult because you need to there's so many different examples if you're going to get more specific than that right so i will say the ai the ai bots are very flexible nowadays um in the sense that um they do style transfers really well and you can train a specific part of the AI really fast on like one specific part of it. Mm. So, so like, even though in the training data, it might've never have seen a toy cat. Right. It can very, it can generate some very, very nice images. And we're we're talking about like image generation right now, I guess. Um, But they share a lot of similarities with like the language models. And a lot of the other models, um, just the way it generates, it's kind of like what I was talking about earlier. There's kinds of general frameworks for these algorithms and uh, learning models. So you have like the one where it just runs off of itself and it like compares how it's doing to like what it wants to do uh, versus like the training data replicating and then comparing. Um, Gosh, I lost my train of thought. Is it getting confusing? Bro, <laughs> man, it was supposed to be not cerebral, man. It's got me thinking too much. Um, gosh, where's it going with that? I feel lost. You lost it. I lost it. I lost going. it. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. To me, it seems weird. Like, it, I feel like that's a, it's, it's such an interesting question, but it's almost it almost strikes me as like, um, okay. I'm kind of like split <coughs> on the one hand, I think it's like an issue that you can't ever really solve just inherent to the way you gain knowledge. There's always going to be some bias. There's always going to be some sort of subjectivity because the way the system learns. Well, is- well here's the thing. Like people do research about that when it comes to people. Yeah. Right. So all this is, is just taking a look at that and questioning how it is done specifically and what like the greater 
social impact of that is. Mm, That's yeah. what the research is about. It's not trying to okay, have a set specifically what to do. It's, it's studying that oh, because that isn't looked at as much. Because even in real life, like, so personally for me, I feel like my perception of whiteness isn't necessarily a very common one. And even within everyone, what, who, who is white, what is white, that, that's kind of, mm -hmm. that's going to be different. Because yeah. you've never been white to me. What? Right? No, not even once. No, man, I, I always I never, thought I could pass for a white person. I always thought, what? Right. I'm just learning and too many now. people, I'm sure that's true. But I like just Dude, never thought of you as white. Well, hang on. If you go to Colombia, then you ask mm -hmm. people there, like if you asked me when I was in Colombia, if I was white, I'm like, yeah, I'm white. A hundred percent. Right. Like, yeah. Exactly. So, or, like, so like that, that's, that's why it's such a good example. Right. Because yeah. like the... Like the the girl I used to date, who's Finnish, I never really saw her as white. What? I, yo, okay, I see what you mean by uncommon. Now I see it. Right. So, like, you yeah. know, you know the actor. I forget his name. Uh, also Nordic. Like maybe Mats something. A lot of people are named Mats in those in those areas, yeah. especially like Danish. Um, Mats Whateversin, I think. God, I forget the guy's name. No, not the but, guy from It, right? No. No, that's a guy who always plays villains. I'm pretty sure he's a Bond villain. Um, the guy, the guy, I think, I think he had a scar in, in, in one of the Bond movies. Oh my god! Bond. Wait, was that the one with the jaw thing? Was he? Was he also pirates? He has like a know. thick, thick accent. Oh wait, no, he's Nordic. Uh, what am I saying, bro? I'm confused. <laughs> yeah. No, dude. I was thinking of a totally wrong guy, bro. Hold on. I, who is that dude? Oh my god. I was thinking of uh, some Latin American guy. <laughs> Not even close. Oh. Uh, way off. Yeah, I, I, I search a bomb villain and this guy's picture come up, but I don't actually have his name just wait, show yet. me the picture? Maybe I know. Uh, I'm not gonna show the picture. I'm gonna find this guy's name first. Don't really want to do the screen share thing. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let me search a Nordic app. Yeah, Mads Mikkelsen. Oh, Mads Mikkelsen. He's so good. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that totally. like, can't I? How could you say that guy is white? You know that that's that to me. That's like, what is white. That's, then? That, that's exactly right. So I feel like that depends. So, mm -hmm. so like to me, then what is is what I'm asking you. Right. Know? Exactly. So like for me, okay. those are not when I see those features. That to me is not white features. When I see him. Were not necessarily him, but just a lot of like the Nordic cultures and, and all that. How how does how the society is, how the culture is. That to me is not white, right? That's very specific. So white is to me a a very basic North American thing as its basis, mm. and then British very much relates <laughs> to that. So that they, to me is also white than us. They're less white than us. They're not quite there. No, no, no. I'm not saying they're, they're just as white, but it's not the same kind of white as here. Right. But I still recognize yeah. it as, as white. And I also could relate that further to like Germany. Right. Mm -hmm. But then once it gets into some of these other places where people skin color wise, you could say it is white. But then you start looking at the features that, that like you see, it's just like, that's not what I've always seen white people as. Like those facial mm. features overall, that's not like white features, right? So like if I just had like white skin, you still wouldn't call me white because all these other features, first of all, wouldn't appear to you as white features, mm. right? If, 
if someone, it's like you take some guy, like the nilotic people, who's known to be very tall and very, very dark. If they just had white skin, you wouldn't see them as white, partially because of physically how they look, but also because culturally it's so different than what you imagine as typical white culture, right? Mm -hmm. So that's, that's exactly what I'm talking about here, but people who actually do have white skin. And then just like, what, what, where do you draw the line as white skin? Right. Because to me, a lot of the Latin places, not not white, you know, like that's a white to me is a very specific kind of thing. Yeah, it's such a perspective thing. That's crazy. That's actually crazy. Because yeah. especially that, that man's Mickelson when he's controversial, George, man, I'll tell you. When um, I see that man, I do not see a white man. What do you see? What do you see? Nordic I, man? That's I a whole see... category in your head? What? Nordic? Nordic? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but Nordic, but, but Nordic has to be like Nordic. So you could be Nordic, but if you seem white to me, as in if you're seem more like German or, or, or British or something along those lines, cause you might, not everyone's going to look and feel Nordic to me. Yeah. Right? So I, I have these ideas of specific traits based on physical as well as cultural and overall social and all of these things that define that. Right. So, so, you know, it's, wow. it's how well you fit within all of those things to me. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Yeah. I guess mm. I just have like, a I have a very broad definition of like whiteness, I guess. I don't know, but that goes along with all the other races too. Like if, if I'm talking about like what my conception of, somebody being white is mm-hmm. for me the biggest thing is the skin color but then when I see somebody it, like to me that's uh, that's kind of like the labeling thing we were talking about that's like why I tiger, brought it that's up that's, yeah, that's, that's yeah. the whole that's reason why we're even talking tiger about thing. like yeah to me yeah. a white person looks Nordic is that's still a white person um I don't know yeah that that was really good that was really good that you brought that up that was awesome yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, like it's the labeling thing and how, how we perceive these categories it is always just going to be subjective and different. And people study that. Mm-hmm. And I feel like people definitely study that a lot more when it comes to a lot of the more marginalized groups here, especially when they're talking about uh, blackness and diaspora, right? Africans are genetically more different than other Africans. They're from different parts of the continent than they are to white people, where they are to Asian people, or really? white people to Asian people. Yeah, wow. it's genetic yeah, diversity crazy. is insane. Like, it, I was just thinking about then, that too when you brought up the, um, that the um, I forget what are they called again? Sorry, is that one um, Nilotic? Yeah. Um, the I was thinking, bowl. like, you, you literally cannot, you cannot build a human that way anywhere else in the world. Like, you just yeah, don't. Exactly. That genetic, the, the, those gen, that genes, those genes just don't exist. Mm-hmm. It's unfathomable. It's, it's like, how can the human form take that shape? It's so extreme. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, all of that, you know, that that, that is African. It is black, right? Mm-hmm. And then, but the people who, in different time periods, ended up in other parts of the world, like skin color wise, still black. Culturally, it's gonna be very different because Africa within itself is so culturally diverse, right? So, it's like a lot of these, like people actually study, they look at. They, they look at these common things and they look at how people perceive themselves. They look at what the relationship is uh, between each other, between these communities. And all of these things are super interesting, super relevant and, you know, beneficial to look at. But well, that's why, like, I think it's so interesting that someone's looking at this when it comes to more new technology with AI and algorithms and, and studying 
pretty much along the same line, right? So that so while I was doing that profile, that's what I found to be super interesting. And just like the conversation we were having, keeps making me think of these these labels. Mm-hmm. You super. think that your conception of these labels would ever change based off the context of the situation? Probably. Yeah. I was just thinking like what if you're on a cruise ship with Mads Mickelson? Okay. Okay. Somebody is murdered on the ship, okay? Right. They're trying to figure out who did it. And the only information they have, the last words that the uh, victim got out before they passed away. White assailant. Ugh. Right. Would you would you consider Mads Mikkelsen in there? So as you a need potential to suspect. That is, so is me that one of the interpreting context? someone else's words. Mm-hmm. So I would think that a lot of people would think that he is white. So if okay. he said that to me, I would consider Matt to be within a the 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 suspect list, the pool, mm-hmm. because I am under the assumption that he thinks Matt is white, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, Matt. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I guess that works. Mm-hmm. Checks out. Very smart. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, this is like interesting to talk about, but the only last thing I want to bring up, since we've already got uh, a tangent, uh, oh, yeah. so the last thing I want to bring up before we go into the highlights to finish episode is you could look at some of the Aboriginal people in certain countries, and then you have to question, okay, what what do you count them as, right? What label would you give that? Because uh, <laughs> it's very interesting to think about the 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 native Aboriginal people in northern Finland. What are they? Aliens, <laughs> maybe, right? Because because what what how would you label them as? What would you call those people? I don't know. I haven't studied their architecture or uh, their archaeology. Their like, history. I don't know. I'm sure there's like, a name They for don't them. look like, like... What do you call those features? Like, I guess technically skin-wise, it's still, you know, pretty white. But, are like, they, I don't oh, know. Are they like... Are they like um, how do they look like? Because there's some people in, like, certain Russian areas that are very ambiguous. And, like, the northern and, like, more isolated parts. They're, like, weird. Well, they look there, like half- there you go. Yeah. So, well, how would you label those people? Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. Right? <laughs> like, when you look at some of the more niche, unique groups, you can't even give them this kind of common label that, that we have so with, weird. like, like well, white so or weird. black or Asian or whatever. Yeah, th- those guys are th- like, they're more mixed than mixed people, man. I swear, it's crazy. They yeah. they look they look white, but they have so many Asian features. Almost like adaptions to the cold, I guess. Mm-hmm. I wonder. You know what? That's actually so interesting because I know that if you take like two subpopulations and you put them into um, uh, like environments, but keep them obviously separate genetically. A lot right. of times you see that they come up with the very similar adaptions, even over just small, um, over just like a number of generations, right? Um, it's like beak length gets shorter if you know, if you expose them to a certain kind of food. That's just generally what happens, right? I don't even have beaks, bro. Well, I mean, if we're talking about birds, I don't really, <laughs> I, did I not mention I was talking about birds? Did I not mention that? I felt like I feel like I should mention that now in case I didn't, but I meant to talk about birds there. <laughs> I was about to bring up the pine cone that's like, oh, if the pine cones are shaped like this, then you see they have a longer beak to get at the whatever. Um, right. Yeah. So I wonder how much of like those groups in these Aboriginal areas, like up north especially, where it's like in the like the Arctic uh, weather region. 
Mm-hmm. I wonder how much of that is like that they just come from like a common ancestor who just went up north right. and like kind of, I don't know, spread that like genetic material around. Or if it's just like different populations adapting to the environment the same way and then they end up with similar features that way. Mm-hmm. You know, there are northern like Arctic sports where league competition, world championships, something like that happening or just happened. And they were, and they do all these kind of traditional events, and that's athletes from kind of all across the northern parts of the world. Mm-hmm. So that that's what what you're saying make me think of. You do see similarities across different groups of people mm-hmm. from. Not necessarily the Arctic, but Arctic extended, just north in general. Yeah. No. So I I do wonder that too. See, it's a very interesting point to to bring up. Mm-hmm. I mean, for surely. I mean, if you just think about it, the more I'm thinking about it, it's like. I mean, the, I feel like the question is to what extent is each true? Because I feel like both have to be true, right? Um. Yeah. But, yeah. No, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's it's interesting. Good. It's also like it's pretty wild seeing how fast isolated populations can like adapt to regions and whatnot. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like some of those Turkic people, right? Mm, yeah, it, that's a super good example of like how, what what do you label them as? How do they see themselves? How do other people see them? And how do you personally see them? Like those questions are all super interesting to, to kind of look at. Because really, like even Turkey itself is very much, uh, okay, is that Europe? Is that, is that Middle East? Is that just straight up? Do, do you call that Asian? Do you call Middle East Asian? Mm-hmm. It, like, like you get into all these questions and then you start looking at some of the other Turkic people like the Tartar, like. Uh, you know, uh, a close, like more, more, I guess, I don't know, Russia, Central Asia, mm-hmm. kind of like that Eurasia. whole region, yeah. like some of the people that, that are there just say, like, uh, yeah, okay. I, you know, I understand why, you know, there is a term for Turkic people, but some of those people have age, have like really Asian features. Other people have like pretty white features. And there's a lot of like just what you're talking about with like the mix kind of thing happening. Like some of them, you know, look like a a stereotypical, more kind of like Turkish person. And even that is just like, what does that mean? I, I right? If if yeah. you take out the term Turkish, what would you label them as with the more generalized terms? like white black or asian or whatever that people like to use here mm-hmm. right? and that that's just kind of like language and perception and obviously has a lot to do with culture and society that, that you're surrounded in because mm-hmm. in, in other places it's gonna too. be different too yeah pardon me turkey is such an interesting region just as a little tangent because just right yeah. there in the middle man right there in mm-hmm. the middle two continents crazy yeah. But yeah. Not just two continents, but it's it's pretty damn close to Africa. Oh, I mean, I guess it almost separates. I feel like it separates two, two worlds almost, yeah. you know? Like, up yeah. until, oh, yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah, it li- literally. Yeah. Like, they... Yeah. Yeah, like, like literally, like, <laughs> that's, that's where the line is drawn, like, oh, across yeah. the country. It's yeah. like, it's like Panama, technically, with the... Uh, the canal separating North and South America. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, any other thoughts? No. Or are we going to go to highlights? No, I'm good. I'm good for highlights, yeah. Let's do this. You can start. What are your highlights? Highlights. I had two midterms, and I think they went fairly well. I'm pretty confident. Question or two on the, this last midterm I just had were a little tricky. Uh, I know for sure there was only one question that, like, for sure got me. Everything else I'm mm-hmm. rather confident about. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the highlight for me. Very nice getting those off my plate. Not having to worry about them anymore. Yeah, I like that. I like that. 
I guess for me, highlights will be just being productive, getting a lot done. And a lot of these things are very much real life practical things. So mm -hmm. for one, I did some filming at Lost Cycle North London location, which is their new location on Thursday night. And they opened Friday. So oh. I got some film and uh, you got one of the thing I did for their social and they, they used it on there on the story, which is pretty cool. And then there's a couple other things I still got to edit and probably give it, deliver it to uh, to the owner next week. So cool having wow. experiences like that. No, it's awesome. That's really cool. That is really, really cool. Mm. Mm. And I think, I think that's it then. Yeah. All right. In that case, thank you for listening.